Hello and welcome back to Complexity Unpacked with Professor G. This is the second part in our Ethics Unpacked series, and today we'll talk about laws and morality. The popular conception of law and morality is that they are synonymous. But that view fails to account for the complexity of either the law or morality. Most people conflate the rules of law with the abstract principles of justice. Laws and morality are connected and do relate to each other, but the connection is not as straightforward as is often believed. Consider areas where something might be legal but immoral, or alternatively, illegal but moral. In early societies, there was little or no distinction between law and morality. The Greeks and the Romans generally believed that man-made laws had to be in harmony with natural laws based in moral principles. By the Middle Ages, the Christian Church exercised a great deal of influence on governance, and natural law was believed to have a theological root, and Christian morals were considered the basis of law in Western societies. Thomas Aquinas, an Italian philosopher and Catholic priest, was considered one of the most influential thinkers on faith and reason. He posited that the basic premise of natural law was that good was to be done and evil avoided. However, he argued that since that required human reason, it could be easily corrupted by emotions and evil dispositions. We'll come back to natural law in a later episode. At this point, though, it's probably a good place to look at Jeremy Bentham and the concept of legal positivism, because it might give some perspective to one way of looking at the law. The English philosopher spent most of his life critiquing the existing law and advocating for reform. He was a critic of natural law and rejected the notion that liberty and rights existed independent of government. He rejected the notion that there are necessary moral constraints on the content of the law. To a legal positivist, the philosophy of law that they would argue is that law is socially constructed. It does not get its base on divine commandments, reason, or even human rights. Positivists do not judge laws based on the concepts of abstract justice or humanity, but merely by the ways in which the law is created. This includes the view that judges make laws by deciding cases that do not have a clear legal rule. The word positivism focuses on the idea that the law is posited rather than being natural or divinely inspired. Jeremy Bentham is somebody we will talk about again, but it's just one way of looking at the construction of law and how it might differentiate itself from morality in the traditional sense that we think about. So morals and values are not static, and as they evolve over time, so do the laws that govern society. A common symbol of justice are the scales, sword, and blindfold. The scales of justice represent the balance of the individual against the needs of society, and a balancing of the interests between parties. The Greek goddess of justice was traditionally represented carrying scales in which she measure, measured the different aspects of the argument. The sword of justice represents a symbol of protection, authority, and vigilance. The sword is double-edged, symbolizing the power of justice, which may be wielded either for or against any party. It is a reminder of the connection between law and punishment, 
as sanctioned for violation. The blindfold is a symbol of blind justice. It represents equality and impartiality. Images of justice are usually portrayed as female and wearing ancient Greek or Roman attire. This reflects the origins of the symbolism which emerged when women and men had very different roles in society. These images have an impact on perceptions of justice, and although these perceptions have altered over the centuries, in a modern world of equality, these symbols continue to represent justice. See, history matters greatly to our current understanding of law and society. It informs our current norms, customs, values, beliefs. It provides a linear chronology to evaluate our moral and legal evolution. It provides context for our current systems and legal institutions, and it helps inform our future decisions. History is instructive in preventing the repetition of negative outcomes. See, history is a vital component in thinking critically about the nature of our laws and the evolution of the methods of law enforcement that we have traditionally used. It provides a richer understanding of the evolutionary journey that informs our modern-day legal and ethical contexts. In my course, I go over about 3,000 years of history really briefly to show how our laws have evolved over time and how many pivotal moments in society had a great deal to do with the way our law ultimately shaped up. Those topics, those areas are worth exploration because our history gives us a sense of how we arrived at many of the things we take for granted today. For the purpose of this podcast, though, we're going to stay a little bit more narrowly focused. So just to give some concrete definitions to laws and morality, I'm going to provide this explanation. Laws are formal rules that govern how we behave as members of society. They specify a per, you know, what is permissible and what is not. They are applied by the state, right, meaning the country in which we live, via enforcement, and upheld by our court system. So they all work together, if you will. They create a basic enforceable standard of behavior. See, law has a narrower focus than either morality or ethics and are subject to ethical assessment. Morality, on the other hand, refers to an informal framework of values, principles, beliefs, customs, and ways of living. Moralities are not usually enforced by the state, right, the country where you live, again. But there are social pressures to conform, and ethics requires us to think about issues the law is ambiguous on. Criminal law, for example, provides a, a great intersection between morality and the law. And many factors influence the development of the law, the enactment of the law, and the enforcement of the law. And morals are only one of them. Keep in mind that laws also have a bureaucratic, administrative, and technical function, which is often completely disconnected from the direct subject of morality. So understanding who created laws and why they were created is important if you want to understand why we still have some laws and why others have changed. From our Canadian context, Britain and France were the two predominant places that sent settlers to Canada. It's where we can draw an immediate line back to our country's legal origins. The bulk of laws at that time, at that time were about property. Landowners owned land, and they often were referred to as barons or lords. These men rented out fields and homes on their lands to citizens. The citizens paid fees and taxes. In exchange, the tenants were provided security of person and property. 
Women and children, like crops and cattle, were deemed property. Marriage laws were really property laws. Your father owned you as a child, protected, clothed, and fed you. You as a young woman had value. If a proper suitor was selected, your marriage could secure future generational wealth and physical security. So your father gave your hand in marriage, and your husband now was responsible for your necessities of life and safety. The way society is organized says a lot about how the laws follow, because they generally keep with the expectations of society. But times changed, and societies evolved. A woman can now divorce her husband absent his approval. She can fight for custody of her children and take marital property. A woman need not marry to own property, apply for credit, or secure a mortgage. As women's rights evolved, they moved further and further away from being property under the law until finally they were considered persons under the law. Women are not the only one that were affected by changing sort of moral times. At one time, black and, in, and indigenous First Nations people were considered property, chattels under the law. They could be owned, willed, bought, sold, traded, and executed, no different than cattle. As civil rights evolved, black and indigenous people moved from being property under the law to also becoming persons under the law. At one time, all of these laws and their definitions were considered moral, just, and even ethical. But see, eventually society changes, and societal change did occur, not always at a pace worthy of pride, but it occurred slowly. Moral dilemmas arose, ethical dilemmas ensued, and as subcultures of people clashed against each other and the justice system, our laws began to reflect those changing morals, values, ethics, and beliefs. In order to understand all of the people you will encounter in your role in law enforcement, you must keep that in mind, that what has happened historically and in the present as it relates to people's morals, values, and ethics will have a great deal of influence on the way your interaction goes. You must understand how your perspectives and understanding, even your misunderstandings, inform your own moral values, uh, your own morals, your own values, and your own ethics. It's been said the police have a history that has brought safety and security to some, but that history has also brought fear to others. Police have been used for the public good, but they have also been used to subjugate and control dissent. They have been used in an effort to curtail change. This will be essential when you are in some specific situations, such as dealing with a minority group, handling protests and marches, as well as many other situations. Having a historical knowledge, knowing that there is more to history than any one side reports, will serve you well when you deal with people.